0: I remember when I was younger, thinking all the world's problems and all the weight on my shoulders, no big deal, it'll figure itself out. But the older I get, the more this world seems to weigh heavy. When I hear the news of terrible things happening around the world or even around this country or even in my own city, it's hard to hear that news and not have a heavy heart. When will you fix this, Jesus? beyond the news, when I think about the job God's given me to lead all of you, I think about all of you and I find myself often feeling your problems and your pain. God,
1: when will you fix this for them? Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay. Because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Morning. We
0: as a church want to be a people who organize our life around being with Jesus, who organize the way in which we get up in the morning and the things that we do when we come and we go in all of our life. We want to organize it around being with him and out of that place becoming like him. And as we begin to become like Jesus, we want to go out into our community, into our families, into our workplaces, and we want to start doing the kinds of things that he did. Because we believe that when we commit ourselves to these three things, out of that, the people around us who are far from God who maybe have been told you're not good enough or God doesn't love you the way you are, the people who have all kinds of questions and confusion because of hurts from the church in the past, hopefully will see in you and in me Jesus himself. And as they see Jesus in us, hopefully we can begin to share Jesus with them in such a way that they will want to join us on this journey. But sometimes... Being with Jesus and becoming like him gets really, really difficult. Specifically for me, I find that the older I get, the more life seems to be difficult and challenging all the time. Do you have that problem? Here's here's what I mean by that. When I was 18 and and barely had to pay rent and was just off to college and life was going great, I could be carefree and just focus day to day. What's going to happen right now? And if I didn't have money to pay my bills, it was fine, I'd figure it out, I'd eat some more ramen, I'd make it work. And then I got older and realized paying your bills is sometimes more difficult. I remember my first apartment I ever had as a a single person right out of college. I paid $350 a month in rent, and I just couldn't believe how astronomically expensive that was. (laughs) Now what I wouldn't give to pay that now, right? I remember when I was younger, thinking all the world's problems and all the weight on my shoulders, no big deal, it'll figure itself out. But the older I get, the more this world seems to weigh heavy. When I hear the news of terrible things happening around the world or even around this country or even in my own city, it's hard to hear that news and not have a heavy heart. When will you fix this, Jesus? Beyond the news, when I think about the job God's given me to lead all of you, I think about all of you, and I find myself often feeling your problems and your pain. God, when will you fix this for them? When will you heal the things they're walking through, the hurts they're holding on to? When will you fix this, God? I find my heart gets heavy. And then other times I find I think about my family I have three kids and they're wonderful, most of the time. And I think about the responsibility given to me to care for them, not only in their physical needs, but in their emotional needs and their spiritual needs and their mental needs, all these ways that they need to grow. And sometimes I think about that and I pat myself on the back, I'm doing great. And then I look at my wife and realize, mostly because she's doing better, And other days I look at my kids and I realize they're just like me, complete broken messes and it's probably my fault. And sometimes the cares on my shoulder, the burdens I'm carrying have nothing to do with the state of this world or the people I care about or my family that's so dear. Sometimes the cares have to do with shame and regret for things I've done or things I've said. Anybody ever been here? You make a joke that nobody laughs at and for three days you're beating yourself up, why did I say such a stupid thing? Why did I do that? And there's this extra weight on your shoulders for the things you said that you shouldn't have or maybe the things you should have said when you didn't say anything and and you find yourself beating yourself up over and over and over again with more and more cares and troubles. Weight on your shoulders as we seek to be with Jesus The way we're beginning that as a church is by learning to practice silence and solitude, to slow down from all of the noise and from all of the busyness, to unplug from all of the distractions, to simply sit with Jesus and say, Jesus, what do you have for me today? What do you want to do today? And today, as we look at how we spend time in silence and solitude with Jesus, we're going to look at what it means for us to cast all of our cares upon Jesus. To be still and know that He is good and that He is God and that you can trust Him and all of your fears truly stand no legitimate chance with Him. A couple of weeks ago, I had the joy of doing my annual hike on the Appalachian Trail. And I was hiking with a guy from Louisiana. His wife and him regularly live streamed because their church only live for a period during COVID and then they stopped. And so because she just had a baby and they're often at home with a kid that's sick or all kinds of reasons, they join us from Louisiana on a regular basis. And he was talking to me about his wife and how they met and about the kids that they have. And somehow that got to talking about my family. And along the way, I shared something with him. I said, you know, this is really strange, but probably about once a month, I just have these overwhelming thoughts of like what would happen if I didn't have my family? Because you guys hear those stories, sudden car accidents or house fires or random tragic moments. What would happen if tomorrow I lost everything? And as I was telling him about this, I said, you know, Adam, it sounds like you deal with a lot of anxiety. I said, I guess you're right. Now, I've never really paid too much attention because I thought, well, I'm I'm pretty good at eventually dismissing it and moving forward. What does this mean? And he began to share about some of his wife's struggles and how walking alongside her with anxiety can be such a wonderful joy to do, but also a challenge. How do we help and care when somebody else is overburdened, sometimes about legitimate things and sometimes about things that we really just need to let go of. What do we do? And, and it happened. I was recounting this conversation a couple days later with someone else on the trail. But yeah, as so I, I realized just how much anxiety I probably don't even notice I'm feeling, I feel kind of guilty because I know we should not feel anxiety, right? Like that's not how I should feel, but I do feel that way. Is there something wrong within me? And this other guy said, Adam, the fact that you recognize it for what it is, and it doesn't control you but for a little while, and then you're able to give it over to God and continue moving forward, that proves that you're just human. We all deal with worries and cares and burdens, but what do we do with them? In our culture, more and more anxiety seems to be on the rise. This overwhelming weight and fear of the what-ifs Even my son, who's only six years old, he regularly gets really worked up into emotional frenzies about all the what-ifs and the possibilities. And I have to remind him, how about you start just right now with the what next? See, the truth is, the infinite list of the what-ifs and the cares and the worries and the burdens, the more we dwell on that, the more it has the power to cripple who we are and who God's made us to be. So today we're gonna look at a guy who I think experienced himself quite a bit of anxiety. In the book of Psalms, this is a book of songs that were written, poems written by a collection of about four or five different individuals. And these poems and these songs were written to express all kinds of emotion, all kinds of pain, all kinds of sorrow. This one in particular was written by King David It's Psalm chapter 62, which is on page 599, if you're using one of the blue Bibles we have here. King David, if you don't know much about him, he was considered the greatest king Israel ever had. Not only was he wildly successful in his military campaigns, and did he conquer all kinds of land, and did he push out all kinds of idolatry, not only did he do all of that great stuff, He also prepared for the building of the temple. He brought the Ark of the Covenant, this sacred promise of God's presence, back to Jerusalem. He helped turn the hearts of people to worshiping God. He's considered a man after God's own heart. But he was the smallest of his brothers, the shepherd in the field who was often overlooked. He played the harp and the lyre, He sang songs and he wrote poems. And if you read the book of Psalms, a lot of his songs were filled with hurt and pain and sorrow. So here's Psalm 62 for you today. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. Now, real quick, when we hear salvation, because of our Christian culture, oftentimes what we immediately jump to is God saves us from eternal damnation. What we immediately think about salvation is that God rescues us from punishment. But this word stems from Latin, which means salve or healing ointment. He says this, for God alone, my soul awaits in silence. From him comes my healing, my restoration, my salvation. Are you in need of that healing today? He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. As I was reading through this several times in preparation for today, one thing that stood out to me I shall not be greatly shaken. David doesn't say I won't be shaken some won't be greatly shaken the truth is all of us at some point in time will be shaken something will challenge your worldview your life situation something will challenge you will it shake you to the point of crumbling how long will all of you attack a man to batter him Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence, David shifts his poem away from this declaration that he waits on God towards the people who are coming against him. How long will you attack a man to batter him? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. See, for David, the burden he's carrying at the time is people who have ill will towards him. People who speak kind words to his face but behind his back seek to tear him down. People who are envious of his responsibility, of his role, of his title, of his life, and are seeking with everything in them to destroy him.
1: Just a couple
0: of psalms prior in Psalm 55, he describes a different kind of enemy, an enemy who is actually a dear friend. Who betrays him? An enemy who sh- should be one amongst the brothers of faith, but instead that enemy turns against to destroy him. He continues in verse five, "For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken." On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock. My refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. I love that verse here, this psalm. David, he spells out his problems and his pain. He spells out, God, I want to trust in you and not be shaken, but here's these burdens coming against me, these people who seem out to get me. Trust in him at all times, Oh people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. I know in my own journey, and my own faith, oftentimes I'm hesitant to pour out the things I'm feeling and experiencing before God. What if I bear my soul, I lay it all out there, and God answers with silence? What if I cry out in pain and the suffering doesn't go away? What if I seek him with everything in me And he seems far and difficult to find. What if? Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. See, for David, says it doesn't matter if you're in a lowly estate, you're poor and you're broken, if you're in a wealthy place, you have it all together and everything seems good. Your entire existence is like a breath, a delusion. In moments, it can be taken from you. It can be destroyed by your own actions or somebody's against you. Everything you've spent your life to build like a breath is gone. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set your heart not on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love for you will render to a man according to his work. David, he ends this song with this, I have heard God speak that power belongs to him. Steadfast love belongs to him. See, when we find ourselves overwhelmed with the weight of this world and the burdens and the cares and all of our struggles, we need to be reminded that all power belongs to him. All love, all hope, all joy, all peace, everything we need in our time of trouble belongs to him and in turn, like a good father, he freely gives it to us. In Psalm 55, that psalm I mentioned just a moment ago, I want to share with you another verse that he says. He says this, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved see in David's psalms and his singing and his praise to God he declares look all of your burdens everything that makes your heart heavy everything that is difficult to walk through give it over to God he won't let you be moved now what he means by that he won't let you be moved by other things he writes is not that he won't let you go through the difficulty or the sorrow or the pain but that he will be enough that no matter how heavy those burdens are, he'll be there with you. He'll be there for you. He'll give you everything you need to stand firm against that hardship, against that pain, against that sorrow, and say, even still, I trust in God. Even still, I believe all love is from him, all good is from him, and I can wait upon him. When it comes to casting our cares upon God, I think for myself part of what holds me back from that is this thought that maybe I got myself into this mess, I should get myself out of it. When I find myself overwhelmed with terrifying thoughts about my family. I often tell myself, like, I know this isn't real or I know this isn't something I can control or I know that God will be enough. And yet that burden persists. So in 1 Peter, there's another reminder about casting all of our anxiety upon him. And this is where I want to end today. Here's what it says. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I love how Peter connects these two things. First, humble yourself. And out of that place, give everything over to God. See, when I find myself overwhelmed with the things I shouldn't have said or done or, or the worries and the pains and the burdens of what life might bring or what it is bringing or, or how I care for other people, when I find myself carrying this heavy load, more often than not, I'm believing that I have it within me to carry that heavy load. It's only out of the place of humility that says, I can't do this. I can't carry this burden by myself. I can't fix all the what-ifs and solve all the hurts. I can't be everything to all people. In fact, I'm hardly something to most people. Like, I can't do this, but God, you can. So I wait for you, I trust in you, and I'm gonna give all of my cares over to you. When you and I begin to practice this, your anxiety will not disappear overnight. Maybe it will, but probably not. There's a possibility that today you'll say, God, here's the thing that I'm burdened with, and tomorrow you won't be burdened with it. But more than likely, I think you and I will give these burdens to God, say, God, I can't do this. And when we stop in silence and solitude to say, where are you in the midst of this burden, of this pain, of this care, of this anxiety? God, where are you? I believe more often than not, more often than taking away the burden or the care, God's gonna say, I am with you, and I care for you, and I care for these burdens too. Let me show you my hand at work in the midst of these moments, in the times when you think I'm furthest removed, in the places where you feel like you can't do it and you have failed. Let me show you where I am enough for you. And so we come to him each day, sometimes multiple times through the day, and we cast all of our anxieties and our burdens and our cares. say, God... I'm going to give this to you. Help me to not take it back. And when we find our mind on that cycle of repeat over and over again with those cares and those burdens, we just keep coming back to this, God, I'm going to surrender it to you. Help me to not take it back. And we let him be enough for all of our pain and all of our sorrow. Amen. Will you join me in prayer? God, we want to be a people who can learn to be still, who can calm our fears, who can surrender our burdens, who can trust that in all things you are enough. Teach us like David to trust in you, to cry out to you when we are hurting, when this world is against us, when our own mind and thoughts are against us, God, when we find ourselves unsure of what next and caught up in the what-ifs, God, would you bring us back to the right now that you are with us, that you are for us, and that you will never leave us nor forsake us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Now, this is the part of the service where usually you guys have texted in questions and I do my best to try and respond. What questions do you have today? Yeah, we
2: got some, we got a couple all over the place. That's exciting. Um, The first question that came in says, is it true only 1,000, no, 144,000 people go to heaven? No. Great. All right. Okay.
0: Uh, If you want 30 seconds or more, here you go. Uh, There's a verse in Revelation that talks about the 144,000. It's been misinterpreted very drastically misinterpreted to say only 144,000 are going to heaven. That's not at all what we see in the rest of scripture. Um, it's actually symbolic referring to 12 times 12 times 1,000 which in numerical uh, revelation means like the fullness of everybody of all time in all places, everyone. So it's a big number, bigger than 144,000. Good, good, good.
2: What, how stressful would that be? Okay. Yeah. Next question. I think we were in the ESV version today. Yes. So this question says, the NIV version of Psalm 62.2 says, I will never be shaken and has no greatly in it. Why would one version emphasize that and not the other?
0: That's a great question. And without looking at the Hebrew, I would just have to say, I don't know. Um, Hebrew translation to English translation is kind of difficult. And the NSV or ESV seeks to be a a rougher, more literal word for word translation, whereas the NIV in most places tries to round it out and be a little smoother, what's gonna read easier. So I'm not sure the never versus greatly, I'd have to look at that, but I don't know. Interesting,
2: okay. Um, Next question, what does "sela"
0: mean? It's a musical term, I think it means pause, intermission, like a, a, a break, but I don't know f- exactly for sure. So.
2: I, from what I heard, I don't think anyone knows exactly yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, I think there's a whole lot of questions. It's something to do with music, because they were meant to be sung, but the exact what it means, we're unsure of.
2: Yeah. Um, okay, two, one, one comment, one question. Um, not a question, if you left a pair of women's sunglasses in the restroom, they are at the coffee table in the back.
0: So guys, these are not your glasses. <laughs>
2: Um, And finally, is the wine alcoholic?
0: Yes. That's also why we have the grape juice in the middle for those who, um, for whatever reason, need to not have wine. Um, So it's usually alcoholic because it's actual wine because that's what Jesus drank and what he gave was wine. And uh, for anybody who tells you Jesus' wine was uh, grape juice, no, Uh, sorry. When he made 600 gallons of grape juice at a wedding, I mean, of wine at a wedding, nobody <laughs> said, wow, this grape juice is delicious. Uh, found some keys over here. Also good to know, if you get Whoa, to your car and you can't get keys. home, what is there's happening? some keys. Looks like it's got like a bottle of- is that your husband's? Oh my gosh,
2: those are my keys.
0: <laughs> All right, if you wanna get into Emily's house later, You had to do that, Matt.
2: You had to do that right then. Okay. Any other questions? That's it.
0: Excellent. Next week, we're going to be talking about how to keep track of your stuff. Uh. As you go this week, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Have a great week.
1: Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting the Point ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.